going to open this morning with a reading from Ephesians chapter 6, which I think is quite appropriate after Eric's word, because he had some spiritual warfare language in there. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all of that, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Let's pray. Let's do what Paul suggests. Let's look around the room, pick out a brother or a sister, and let's take a minute and pray and supplicate and petition the Father for an individual. You can pray right out loud. No, no, just right from where you are. Look around the room and pick someone out and just begin to pray for them. Lord, we ask that you would make this, this instruction from Paul real to us today. That we would pray all prayers and supplication for all the saints. Lord, as we lift up words out of our mouths, out of our hearts, out of our minds, may you turn them, O oh God, as blessings and grace mercy and loving kindness on the heads of those that we pray. May they be like garments of praise, O God, upon their shoulders. May they be hedges of protection around their lives to keep them from the evil one and the evil of the day, O God. May our prayers have power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel. The mysterious good news of Jesus Christ. Have you ever stopped and pondered what an amazing thing the gospel is? Last week, Martha shared I haven't had a chance to hear her sermon on the gospel, on the good news, but I know that all the prior week, almost daily, we'd have some type of discussion. She'd have some type of question. She'd put out something about the gospel, and we'd just be going back and forth. And as, as the week moved on, I realized what an amazing thing the gospel really is. 
I had this discussion with uh, Winston, who's out in uh, Wolfboro sharing today, just this morning. I said, isn't it amazing that words can come out of our mouths into the ears of someone and BAM! Huh? I mean, I talk all kinds of stuff. doesn't mean a thing to anybody. But if I preach the gospel, if I preach the gospel and it gets into their heart, their whole lives change. Isn't that mysterious? Isn't that awesome? I think it's just incredible. You know, this is my 40th year in preaching the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. And I am more amazed now at the power and impact of this good news than I have ever been. The life-transforming power of this message blows my mind. I mean, just watching you guys, you know, over the last 10, 15, some of you, 20 years, the changes going on, you know, the, the discussions that we've had and, you know, hearing your testimonies and saying, man, and, and even some of you, you know, coming to me and saying, yo, you're not the same as you were. Huh, Susie, how long ago? Yeah, not the same anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. The Apostle Paul calls this a mystery. A mystery so profound that he attaches a prayer request at the tail end of one of the most powerful statements concerning spiritual warfare in the New Testament. And he does not ask for protection in the battle, but he asks for words of proclamation concerning the mystery of the gospel. Essentially, Paul is saying, pray that I will be given the ammunition to stir up a battle. Do you ever feel like you, you, know, you give someone the gospel and, and you think, boy, am I really doing them a favor? <laughs> you know, they walk away and they get this big target on their back all of a sudden, right? You know what that's like, right? doesn't make life any easier, does it? <laughs> but oh, the promises of God. Hmm. Paul is asking for words that will pierce the darkness in men's heart. Bring the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ through the veil of deception that blinds the minds of the lost from knowing the truth of the gospel and the love of God that can set them free. Your words do this. Your words can do this. And words of revelation that will break down the kingdoms of the gods of this age and expand the kingdom of the living God until the knowledge of the Lord covers the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. We're on a mission. What an awesome, mysterious mission we are on with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't get the gospel, truth is you don't get any of the armor. What Paul does not say is that the gospel is an unknowable mystery. Quite to the contrary, Jesus himself affirms that the revelation of the mystery has been granted to us. 
in Matthew 13, 11, this is in the King James Version, he answered and said to them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 13, 11. So with this in mind, listen to what Paul has to say about us as believers in the gospel. To the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4.1, he says, This is how one should regard us. This is how you should be regarded. As servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. As caretakers. Steward means a caretaker. You are to be servants and caretakers of the mysteries of God. That means that in the natural, you can minister God's love and grace and mercy and loving kindness by giving of your time, your money, your energy, your, your heart, your food, all of that. But in the spiritual realm, you also have something to give. By the mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can open up their hearts and minds to understand things that come from heaven above. When Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock, what was he talking about? He was talking about revelation, the mystery of revelation. You see, the gospel isn't about knowledge. The gospel is about revelation. So what would that look like to steward the mystery of the gospel of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let's take a look at Acts 8. I, I think this is such a profound story or event. Acts 8.26 just this opening line, all right? Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, right? Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, where is this guy living? He's a steward. He's a caretaker of the mysteries. And an angel of the Lord comes to him. Philip is in the middle of a very profound move of God amongst the Samaritans. Revival has broken out. This guy's an evangelist. He's doing what he's called to do, and he's having a grand time doing it. And all of a sudden, an angel from heaven shows up and says, you know, I'm going to pull you out of here. I got something else for you to do. Kind of mysterious, huh? Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. I'm going to pull you out of the revival going on in this city, and I want you to get down to the desert. You sure you've got the right, right guy? Show your ID, you know, evangelist, evangelist. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But there's a mystery taking place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit, the spirit, Who's the Spirit? The Holy Spirit, right? So first, 
first of all, opening line, an angel of the Lord comes and says to Philip, he's obedient to the instruction of the angel, and now it's the very spirit of God instructing him as what to do. Isn't this mysterious? And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. I like that. He ran to him in obedience and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. He told him the gospel. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The gospel made its mysterious inroad into this man's heart. They commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. <laughs> like, poof. Hello? <laughs> I only know one other. Erskine Holt. Happened to Erskine Holt. And the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Amazing. So I want to take a quick look at this man from Ethiopia. First of all, he is a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, Candace is not a proper name, it's a title. Any queen of Ethiopia was titled Candace, queen of Ethiopia, no matter what her proper name was, okay? Who was in charge of all her treasure. So this man had a high position, he was well-educated, trustworthy and intelligent. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, so he had a knowledge of the living God as the true God and desired to connect more intimately with him. He came to Jerusalem because in Judaism, Jerusalem is the center of the whole universe. It's where God touched his finger down and started creation. If you want to know the living God in Judaism, you come to Jerusalem. Number three, he was reading 
the prophet Isaiah. In first century Israel, the book of Isaiah was only written in Hebrew and in Greek. The Septuagint was the Greek version of the Hebrew scriptures, what is our Old Testament. My guess is the Ethiopian was reading the Hebrew text because he had come to Jerusalem to worship, which meant he went to the temple to do that, and you could only worship in Hebrew in the temple. It's what started the riot when Paul was there. He had someone with him who was speaking Greek on the temple, and they thought he was bringing non-Jews onto the Temple Mount, and it started a riot. And you could only worship at the temple if you were a Hebrew or a convert to Judaism, which it seems this Ethiopian is. As a matter of fact, that would not be uncommon. The Ethiopians have a long history of religious interaction with Judaism since the days of King Solomon, and still do to this day. There's a large community of Ethiopian Jews in Israel today. And some archaeologists believe that the Ark of the Covenant was smuggled out and hidden um, in Ethiopia. There's a, uh, a place there, a monastery, where the Ethiopians say that the Ark of the Covenant is. Well, anyway, this Ethiopian eunuch would have been what we would call today a seeker, a seeker. He was looking for God through the means available to him at the time, and quite frankly, he was tracking pretty good. Good enough for God to take note of him and direct Philip to go and connect with him, right? I mean, God really went out of his way for this guy. Do you understand what you're reading? You can be sure Philip already knew the answer to that question. How can I unless someone guides me? The Ethiopian was stuck at a mystery. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its share is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophecy say this? About himself or about someone else? To the Ethiopian eunuch, this is a mystery. He cannot understand with his natural mind who the prophet is talking about. This is the mystery that is keeping this seeker, this God pursuer, from getting any closer to God than the law of Moses would allow. And what does Philip do? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the point of mystery, he preaches the gospel right out of the mystery. The Ethiopian is reading Isaiah 53. And if you've ever read the chapter from this side of the resurrection, then you understand that the prophet is describing the atoning work of Jesus Christ through his suffering, scourging, crucifixion, death, and burial, and from the New Testament side of things, it's a no-brainer. Of course he's talking about Jesus. But for the Jew, for those who followed the law of Moses, just as today for the Muslim, it would be impossible 
for the Messiah to suffer and die. They couldn't grasp it. The Muslims still can't grasp it. He comes as king to conquer his enemies. So this is a great mystery. Who is the prophet talking about? And Philip unravels the mystery by preaching the gospel, by telling the good news of Jesus Christ. That which had been hidden in the law and the prophets is now revealed in Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek and now and again to an Ethiopian. If we could grasp the power and impact of just a few of the mysteries hidden away in the gospel message, then neither would we be ashamed to preach it to the lost around us. Just the fact that the words we speak to another person when we share the gospel message releases the power of God for salvation is mystery enough. Isn't it amazing that he uses you that way? God working through my words to redeem another human being from the consequences and condemnation of sin is absolutely amazing. The gospel is a mystery because the good news is that by the shedding of Jesus' blood, we are cleansed from our sin. The gospel is a mystery because the good news is that by the death of Jesus on the cross paying for our transgressions, we are reconciled to God. The gospel is a mystery because the good news is that by Jesus being scourged, whipped into a bloody pulp, yes, by his stripes, we are healed. The gospel is a mystery because the good news is that although we were once slaves to sin, manipulated by evil and darkness with no hope at all and in fear of death, we can now live in freedom, liberty, and the joy of the Holy Spirit with a secure hope for a life to come by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's very mysterious. The gospel is a mystery because the good news is that the gospel of Jesus Christ can transform who we are from the inside out, and the way that God accomplishes this is just so cool. Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes, the Bible is clear. Once we receive the gospel of Jesus Christ as God's message of love to our lives, change begins and continues as an ongoing expression of God's glory at the work in and through you. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says this, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to say something about Eric's word earlier about the Father's love. Just before he began to say that, uh, I began to hear the Lord speak about the removal of generational burdens. 
that some of us are carrying the burdens of our previous generations. Oh, our family has always been that way. No, this is just part of our cultures. Of course we're treated this way because we've always been, and we carry that as our own. You know what? You've been adopted into a new family. You are not who you used to be. You are not your mother's 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 mother or your father's 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 father. You are the son of the living God. You are a daughter of the king of glory. You've been adopted in and grafted into the true vine, and you have been granted freedom by the spirit of adoption, whereby you can say, Abba, Father. And if you haven't gotten a hold of that, you need to offload the burden that you're carrying. You will not change history by carrying the burden of peoples who have already gone on into glory. Be free. Your Father's delight is to see you free. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You are being changed from glory to glory until one day you're going to look just like him. You are created in the image of God. You are a mirror. Have you changed since you believed? Are you different now as a believer in the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection than you were before you heard the gospel? Of course you are. Of course you are. If you're not, something didn't click. If somehow you've stalled out and feel stuck in yourself, then remember Jesus' words when he first began his introduction of the kingdom of God into the affairs of men in Matthew 4:17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do it again. If you're a believer and you're stuck, if you're no longer changing, if you're not moving on internally with your character in the things of Christ, repent again. Start over again. Invite the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said. Repent. If the kingdom of God isn't impacting your life, then repent and allow the kingdom in. You need to change from glory to glory, and the glory flow isn't flowing in your life, then repent. That's what Jesus said. power of the gospel is not a one-time event. It is the power of God for salvation. There's a lot of things I've been saved for. A lot of things I've been saved from. And there's a whole lot more I haven't even gotten to yet. The ongoing work of the power of God for salvation will continue to save me from the things that want to bring me down. I still have an enemy of my soul. Actually, two. One is called the devil and the other one's called Dick. And you've got two. And salvation needs to be ongoing. 
There are times I need to repent and say, oh, God, oh, God, I am such a wreck. Save me. Save me from myself. Save me from the thoughts in my mind, the emotions in my heart, the reactions that I want to have. I want to spill out all over the place. Save me, oh, God. Let the gospel do its work in me. Do it again. Turn away from yourself and embrace the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel, the power of God for salvation. The writer of the book of Hebrews states this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means the gospel is still good news. No matter how long it's been since you first believed it, it's still good news for your life today. It'll still be good news for your life tomorrow, next week, next year. Every time you need good news, the gospel is there. It's unchanging because it's the good news of Jesus Christ, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ died for you to pay the penalty for your sins so that you could have a relationship with God, with access to God's grace and goodness for the rest of eternity. It's good news because what Jesus did was so powerful that it broke the power of death itself. And after three days in the grave, Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that wants to empower your life and deliver you from the fear of death by the newness of eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead works in you. The gospel is still good news even if you have a relationship with Jesus, but have found yourself floundering, stagnant, or not living in the fullness of God's great promises in Christ. Just do it again. I can't overemphasize this. Just repent. What an awesome word he has given us. It is so simple and so hard to do. Repent. Turn away. Go in a different direction. Cast aside the thoughts that you're thinking and think differently. Get into the word of God and find out how Jesus thinks, how he would act, what he would say, and do that instead of what you want to do. That's repentance. It isn't just saying, oh, I'm sorry, I did it again. I won't do it anymore. Oh, I'm sorry, I did it again. I won't do it anymore. And each time it gets a little worse because it's not repentance. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and renew your mind and your heart with the good news of Jesus Christ. Be transformed. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. You can have the victory. It doesn't matter what you're standing in what's looming before you. He always leads you in triumphal procession if you're walking in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an invitation to come and pray. Before I do, I want to just give you one final quote. 
Here are some of the very last words of the whole Bible. The whole thing wraps up Revelation 22. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I'm coming soon. Bringing my recompense, some versions say rewards, with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you. Angel simply means messenger. That's me today for you. Jesus has sent me to say these words to you, to enliven in your hearts and mind the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches, for the churches, for the churches. This is for you. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price, freely, freely. So I want to do this this morning. I want to stop here and invite you to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've never in your life been born again, you've never said in your heart and out of your mouth, Jesus, I need you, as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for my sin. I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I could have a living relationship with you. Oh, Jesus, won't you come into my life, into my heart today? If you've never done that, I want to give you the opportunity when we make the altar call to come up and pray, and someone will will walk you through the scriptures and lead you in that prayer. Or perhaps you've known Jesus for 40 years. Maybe you've led multitudes to Christ. But the Spirit of God to you today is saying you need to repent. You need to get out of the place you're stuck in and be transformed again, be changed again, be renewed in your spirit again. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's coming soon. That means the kingdom is going to begin to pulsate with the life of Christ before he arrives. Things are going to become very mysterious. Are you going to be part of that? Or are you going to be on the sidelines wishing you were? Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. I want to invite you to come and pray and repent. Ask the Lord to break those things that hold you down, that hold you back. Open up your mind to revelation, to understanding his word. 
and to lead you into all truth in Christ Jesus. Accept the gospel of Christ. Not only is he your savior, he is your Lord. Some of us walk for years just knowing Jesus as savior. Maybe that's your repentance today. Maybe it's time to give him lordship beyond his salvation, to know him as your king. Maybe you've known him as Lord and he's saying, you know what, I want to know you as friend. Maybe he's calling you like he called that Ethiopian eunuch who was searching for a deeper and much more intimate relationship with God and God went way out of his way to give him what he was looking for. You want to know me? I'll reveal myself to you. Here's the gospel of my son, Jesus Christ. Know me in fullness. If any of those or any other thing that God might be stirring in your heart, perhaps the gospel is just at work in you, instructing you, guiding you, directing you as, as it was for Philip. The mystery of the gospel is at work to change us from glory to glory, and, and God wants a response from you today. I want to invite you to come up and pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal, and if you need to go, then I pray the Lord would bless you. He would keep you safe on these slippery roads, and that his countenance would, would just guide and direct you, that he would lead you on to deeper things in Christ, that the the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace, would permeate your heart, your life, your home, your family to the broadest extent.